Coffee Break Collection 15. The World of Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Watercress Selling in Farringdon Market. Extract from London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Published in 1851. The first Costa cry heard of a morning in the London streets, is that of fresh watercresses. Those that sell them have to be on their rounds in time for the mechanic's breakfast, or the day's gains are lost. As the stock money for this calling need only consist of a few halfpence, it is followed by the very poorest of the poor, such as young children who have been deserted by their parents, and whose strength is not equal to any great labour, or by old men and women crippled by disease or accident, who in their dread of a workhouse life linger on with the few pence they earn by street selling. As winter draws near, the Farringdon Cress Market begins long before daylight. On your way to the city to see this strange sight, the streets are deserted. In the squares the blinds are drawn down before the windows and the shutters closed, so that the very houses seem asleep. All is so silent that you can hear the rattle of the milkmaid's cans in the neighbouring streets, or the noisy song of three or four drunken voices breaks suddenly upon you as if the singers had turned a corner, and then dies away in the distance. On the cab stands but one or two crazy cabs are left, the horses dozing with their heads down to their knees, and the drawn-up windows covered with the breath of the driver sleeping inside. At the corners of the streets the bright fires of the coffee stalls sparkle in the darkness, and as you walk along the policeman leaning against some gas lamp turns his lantern full upon you as if in suspicion that one who walks abroad so early could mean no good to householders. At one house there stands a man with dirty boots and loose hair as if he had just left some saloon giving sharp single knocks, and then going into the road and looking up at the bedrooms to see if a light appeared in them. As you near the city, you meet, if it be a Monday or Friday morning, droves of sheep and bullocks tramping quietly along to Smithfield, and carrying a fog of steam with them, while behind, with his hands in his pockets and his dog panting at his heels, walks the sheep-drover. At the principal entrance to Farringdon Market there is an open space, running the entire length of the railings in front, and extending from the iron gates at the entrance to the sheds down the centre of the large paved court before the shops. In this open space the cresses are sold, by the salesmen or saleswomen to whom they are consigned, in the hampers they are brought in from the country. The shops in the market are shut, the gaslights over the iron gates burn brightly, and every now and then you hear the half-smothered crowing of a cock, shut up in some shed or bird-fancier's shop. Presently a man comes hurrying along, with a can of hot coffee in each hand, and his stall on his head, and when he has arranged his stand by the gates, and placed his white mugs between the railings on the stone wall, he blows at his charcoal fire, making the bright sparks fly about at every puff he gives. By degrees the customers are creeping up, dressed in every style of rags. They shuffle up and down before the gates, stamping to warm their feet, and rubbing their hands together till they grate like sandpaper. Some of the boys have brought large hand-baskets, and carry them with the handles round their necks, 
covering the head entirely with the wickerwork as with a hood. Others have their shallows fastened to their backs with a strap, and one little girl, with the bottom of her gown tattered into a fringe like a blacksmith's apron, stands shivering in a large pair of worn-out vestress boots, holding in her blue hands a bent and rusty tea-tray. A few poor creatures have made friends with the coffee-man, and are allowed to warm their fingers at the fire under the cans, and as the heat strikes into them, they grow sleepy and yawn. The market, by the time we reach it, has just begun. One dealer has taken his seat and sits motionless with coal, for it wants but a month to Christmas, with his hands thrust deep into the pockets of his grey driving coat. Before him is an opened hamper with a candle fixed in the centre of the bright green cresses, and as it shines through the wicker sides of the basket it casts curious patterns on the ground, as a nightshade does. Two or three customers, with their shallows slung over their backs and their hands poked into the bosoms of their gowns, are bending over the hamper, the light from which tinges their swarthy features, and they rattle their halfpence and speak coaxingly to the dealer to hurry them in their bargains. Just as the clocks are striking five, a stout saleswoman enters the gates, and instantly a country-looking fellow, in a wagoner's cap and smock-frock, arranges the baskets he has brought up to London. The other ladies are soon at their posts, well wrapped up in warm cloaks over their thick shawls, and sit with their hands under their aprons talking to the loungers, whom they call by their names. Now the business commences. The customers come in by twos and threes and walk about looking at the cresses, and listening to the prices asked. Every hamper is surrounded by a black crowd, bending over till their heads nearly meet, their foreheads and cheeks lighted up by the candle in the centre. The saleswomen's voices are heard above the noise of the mob, sharply answering all objections that may be made to the quality of their goods. They're rather spotty, mum, says an Irishman, as he examines one of the leaves. No more spots than a new-born babe, Dennis, answers the lady tartly, and then turns to a newcomer. At one basket a street-seller in an old green cloak has spread out a rusty shawl to receive her bunches, and by her stands her daughter, in a thin cotton dress patched like a quilt. Oh, Mrs. Dolan, cried the saleswoman in a gracious tone, can you keep yourself warm? It bites the fingers like barley and water, it do. At another basket, an old man, with long grey hair streaming over a kind of policeman's cape, is bitterly complaining of the way he has been treated by another saleswoman. He bought a lot of her the other morning, and by daylight they were quite white, for he only made threatens on his best day. Well, Joe, returns the lady, you should come to them as knows you, and all as treats you well. As the morning twilight came on, the paved court was crowded with purchasers. The sheds and shops at the end of the market grew every moment more distinct, and a railway van, laden with carrots, came rumbling into the yard. The pigeons, too, began to fly onto the sheds or walk about the paving stones, and the gas-man came round with his ladder to turn out the lamps. Then everyone was pushing about, the children crying as their naked feet were trodden upon, and the women hurrying off with their baskets or shawls filled with cresses and the bunch of rushes in their hands. In one corner of the market, busily tying up their bunches, were three or four girls seated on the stones, with their legs curled up under them, and the ground near them was green with the leaves they had thrown away. 
A saleswoman, seeing me looking at the group, said to me, Ah, you should come here of a summer's morning, and then you'd see him, sitting tying up, young and old, upwards of hundred poor things, as thick as crows in a ploughed field. As it grew late, and the crowd had thinned, none but the very poorest of the crestellers were left. Many of these had come without money. Others had their halfpence tied up carefully in their shawl ends, as though they dreaded the loss. A sickly-looking boy, of about five, whose head just reached above the hampers, now crept forward, treading with his blue, naked feet over the cold stones, as a cat does over wet ground. At his elbows and knees his skin showed in gashes through the rents in his clothes, and he looked so frozen that the buxom saleswoman called to him, asking if his mother had gone home. The boy knew her well, for without answering her question he went up to her, and as he stood shivering on one foot said, "'Give us a few old cresses, Ginny,' and in a few minutes was running off with a green bundle under his arm. As you walk home, although the apprentice is knocking at the master's door, the little watercress girls are crying their goods in every street. Some of them are gathered round the pumps, washing the leaves and piling up the bunches in their baskets that are tattered and worn as their own clothing. In some of the shallows the holes at the bottom have been laced up or darned together with rope and string, or twigs and split laths have been fastened across, whilst others are lined with oilcloth or old pieces of sheet tin. Even by the time the crest market is over, it is yet so early that the maids are beating the mats in the road, and mechanics, with their tool baskets slung over their shoulders, are still hurrying to their work. End of Watercress Selling in Farringdon Market Recording by Patrick Wallace